His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. John 9, verse 2 and 3. Welcome to Canaanbound Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Canaanbound Podcast features devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by various Christian artists who support our teaching. I'm Philip Wells, a member at Peace Lutheran Church in Mankato, Minnesota. This is episode number 75. Today we begin by taking a moment with the master with Pastor Aaron Nitz. The moment with our master for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 28, and the words of Jesus, our Savior. It reads, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. So what does it mean to be great. What is greatness? Who do you consider to be a great person? We might consider greatness to be all kinds of things, having power, having wealth, um, honor, popularity, etc. That might be how our world defines greatness, but finally true greatness is not what the world considers to be great, but what God considers great. And what does God consider great? Ultimate greatness is finally found in one person, Jesus, the Son of Man, who came not to be served, but to serve, to lay his life down as payment for sins, all of them, yours and mine included. Jesus served us to the ultimate extent, winning eternal life for you and me. That's true greatness. And it's that greatness that moves and inspires you and me to be truly great in our lives. Greatness isn't found in telling others what to do or in having influence over others. Rather, greatness comes from thankful and forgiven hearts and shows itself in serving God and serving others, thinking of others, putting their needs and interests before our own. And why would we do that? Because we have a Savior who served us to the greatest extent by laying down his life for us so we know that heaven is our home. I'm thankful to be empowered and motivated by such a great Savior just like you. The Lord bless and keep you this day and always. And now we listen to the Apostles' Creed by Cross to Glory. Christ, our Savior, God's own Son of human birth, virgin born, the Lord incarnate, whom the Spirit did conceive, suffered under pond. 
righteous pilot. He's the God whom I Was dead and buried down to hell in victory. From the dead he rose the third day up to heaven triumphantly. There at God's right hand he's ruling by his will. The world is led. He will come to judge the Church is chosen band. They are joined in sweet communion. Holy in His side they stand. I believe in sins forgiven. I believe I'll rise again. I believe in life eternal. I'm And now it's time for Freedom in Christ with Pastor Mark Falk. Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10. Your harvest. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. NIV 1984 This paragraph may sound strange to you if you have been inhaling the freedom of the gospel that Paul has been preaching to you. Paul is not a legalist preaching salvation by the law, by walking the walk, by following God's rules and precepts, or whatever construct Satan may substitute for this. Jesus lived a holy life, died a holy death, rose from the grave, all for me. I am free of sin, guilt, and the threat of hell. I live by faith in this truth. The apostle is also no libertine. I'm saved and I can live any way I like. Drink hard, live hard, slander my neighbor, indulge my lust or anger. I'll still go to heaven. I am saved. Notice that Paul talks about sowing either to the sinful nature that still clings to each Christian like internal and invisible saran wrap or to the spiritual side of our nature. That good part of us that naturally wants to serve the one who suffered the very pains of hell in our place. Paul describes the struggle between these two natures in Romans 7. is worth reading again and again. Paul is no cardboard cutout. His flesh and blood and knows the insidious threat of the sinful nature. He knows it is a street fight, hand-to-hand combat, combat, deadly and real. So we are now free from the threat of hell. We are bound for heaven. Our ticket has been punched. 
But the train ride is no cakewalk. We can't crawl into a sleeper car and wait until we get to the West Coast. We need to fight. We need to do what is right. And since we, can, we get way too much of our theology from friends and from the media, we must be immersed in the Word. The Word must be our guide. It is not easy work sowing, living in such a way that our harvest is a good harvest. But the goal is glorious. We can imagine a place in heaven where, with other saints who have made it through the rain, we rejoice in the good works that the Holy Spirit and our spirit, our new man, have cooperated in accomplishing. And yet it will always be clear to us in eternity that we are there only by the doing and the dying and the rising of the Virgin's child. And now it's time for God's Word for You with Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 23, uh, beginning at verse 8 and continuing to the end of the chapter, but first just verses 8 to 12. Job says, But if I go to the east, he is not there. He's talking about God. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Job begins uh, with the compass points, the way that they typically were in the Middle East, um, especially in Israel. Um, He begins with the front, the way that the sun comes up, which is east. If I go ahead of me, east, he's not there. If I go behind me, west, I don't find him. When he's to my left, up in the north, Zaphon, I don't see him. And when he turns down to my right, down to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. That's the order of things as Job is talking here. Job's words here actually would be challenged by David in Psalm 139, the great psalm of God's attributes. There David said, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, that is the east, if I settle on the far side of the sea that is behind me in the west, your right hand will hold me fast. Job is searching. David was confident. But Job knows that God is there, even though he can't be seen. And Job treasures the words he knows that God has spoken um, in verse 12. He says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. In Job's time, there were not many of those words from God that a lot of people knew about. Moses had not yet written anything down. He wouldn't be alive for 400 more years. And the stories of the creation and the flood were probably passed down by word of mouth from the patriarchs like Noah and Shem. Job knew these stories and treasured what God had said. And he certainly set aside time to worship God, as we have seen was his regular custom. In all of these things, Job showed his love for God. And although the Ten Commandments were not written down yet in Job's time, Job gives us an example here of keeping the Third Commandment, which says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Luther explained the Third Commandment this way. He said, we should fear and love God, that we do not despise preaching and his word, but regard it as holy and gladly hear and learn it. Verse 13. But he stands alone, and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. 
Here, Job gives glory to God by letting him reign as God without question. Job's confession that God does whatever he pleases is also what the Psalms teach. Psalm 115, 3, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Job is giving us an example of honoring and keeping the first commandment, which says, you shall have no other gods before me. Job's friends have given full vent to their devotion to wisdom, in the case of Eliphaz, to tradition, in the case of Bildad, and even to biting sarcasm in the, in the case of, of, of the annoying friend Zophar. But Job has not turned away from his faith, and he has not relied on anything but God and God's mercy. We have a lot of temptations in our lives. We have temptations to rely on science, to rely on technology, to rely on money, to rely even on our own inner strength instead of relying on God. Some people rely on their looks. But God wants us to trust in him above all. That's the first commandment. Luther explained the first commandment this way. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Let's read verses 14 to the end. He carries out his decree against me, and many such plans he still has in store. This is why I am terrified before him, and when I think of all this, I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my face. Job is at a point where many people who are overcome by difficulty and led astray by a lifetime of sin would easily fall into cursing and swearing. Cursing is using the name of God to cast or to call down evil, especially damning someone to hell. Swearing is using God's name in an, in an oath. Here, Job simply uses God's name. He says God and the Almighty to state factually what God has done. And even though he's in pain, he says no more than the truth. He says, God has made my heart faint and the Almighty has terrified me. He uses the name of God correctly. The second commandment is you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And Luther explained the second commandment this way. We should fear and love God that we do not use his name to curse, swear, lie, or deceive, or use witchcraft, but call upon God's name in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. And now we'll have another Moment with the Master with Pastor Aaron Nitz. The moment with our Master uh, for today comes from the Gospel according to John chapter 9, verses Two and three. This is the beginning of the account of the man who was born blind. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. When the going gets tough, The tough get going. Ever heard that phrase before? In other words, when life gets difficult, the tough people rise to meet the challenge. The problem with that phrase is that it offers little comfort to the person in the throes of a difficult situation in life. It's easily said about someone someone else, but not a very enjoyable thought when the pain of suffering is crushing on your own shoulders. Another option when someone is suffering is to try and find some particular sin behind it. What did you do to incur God's punishment, is the thought. 
While sin does have consequences and is more apparent in some cases than others, much suffering in our world is simply because we live in a fallen, sinful world and not due to some particular sin. But notice what Jesus said here. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. God would use this man's suffering to put on display his power and his love. And Jesus did just that. He healed this man born blind. Why? To show that Jesus is the very Son of God. And as such, he has the power to do what no one else can do. And that's forgive our sins. Sure, this man got to see with his own eyes, but one day he would die. So even better than that, by faith, he saw in Jesus his Savior from his greatest problem, sin. By grace through faith, you see Jesus too. He healed your greatest problem by dying on the cross in order to save you. He defeated sin, death, and the devil by rising from the dead. He opened heaven's doors for you. And if Jesus has done that for you, and he has, then you can also live confidently in his love, at peace in his forgiveness, and joyful in his grace, no matter how tough the going is getting. And in that way, God's grace and his power and his love will go on display in your life too. I'm resting in my, in my Savior's everlasting arms just like you. May the Lord bless and keep you um, this day and always. And now we end our time together with a song called Abandon by Stephen Bautista.
have been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 75. This podcast was first shared in July of 2014. Visit Canaan Bound Podcast to learn how you can support the ministry of the Wells and find links to the artists featured on the show. Once again, my name is Philip Wells. It was a privilege to be your host for this episode. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells ministry location near you. Thank you for listening.